0: life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective 2020 on vision. In Victoria though last weekend was the uh, what they call the AFL Pride round and I know you've been following along some of the uh, some of the fallout from that from the way that some people have been reflecting on that and commentating on that particular round. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, that's certainly the case, and uh, for weeks now they've been advertising this pride game, which was between uh, the Sydney Swans and uh, St Kilda, and having a particular round that was dedicated to, you know, combating homophobia and so on. I think initially they were going to have a pride round, and I think everybody would have been in rainbow colours. But they would just gone for the single game, and you know, things like rainbow socks and rainbow coloured letters, and they had rainbow flags they raised, you know, raised on the flagpole outside AFL headquarters. And so really promoting the whole um, LGBTIQ agenda, if you like, um, in the guise of combating homophobia. We don't, don't want people to be nasty to each other on the basis of their sexuality. Of course, there's actually no, um, no formal, no AFL player has actually, had actually come out of being homosexual prior to that round. There were rumours that somebody might come out during the round. It's often, it's quite a bit of it's being promoted by a man called Jason Bull who played for a country, um, you know, Victorian country team uh, came out as homosexual and then got his team to support that and he's become sort of the poster boy for that and has really promoted it with the AFL and encouraged them to hold this round. And of course we we say that everybody should be accepted, Um, certainly in a sporting area, everybody's, um, you know, we should be looking at the merit of the players, the speed, the agility, whether, you know, how many goals they score, all those sorts of things. They're the things we should be looking at in sport, not what sexuality somebody happens to be.
0: It's attracted a fair bit of comment and I was talking about it in the lead up to the game, how there would be a big focus on this sort of rainbow round uh, idea and uh, with the idea that you've just confirmed that... There are no uh, AFL players who have come out and are openly gay, and uh, not that we'd want to know for any purpose of making any criticism against them personally, but the idea that the AFL would devote a whole round uh, to what is promoting this political ideology, it it does seem a little bit uh, crazy, doesn't it?
1: Well, we, we would say so. And, uh, and certainly so many of the big companies, the, the sporting codes and others have come out on, on various things, whether that's domestic violence and this sort of thing and combating homophobia. And, and certainly some of the big companies have been supported. We've talked about that with, you know, scholarships and supported by big companies. Uh, They have, you know, LGBTI employer of the year awards. So the big companies are actually, you know, awarded these prizes for being the most diverse uh employer if you like so we've had this happening for a number of years and i think in sports that's just sort of the latest frontier of that and the afl and they've become involved in that and they want to join in with this being very diverse and very accepting and um not only accepting those but being supportive of us.
0: i note that you posted an article by james parker uh, who was visiting Australia and commenting on what he'd seen here. What are your thoughts on James Parker's comments about the AFL Pride game?
1: Well, it's interesting. James Parker came, wrote an article and actually talks about coming to Australia 20 years ago and spending three months of, and in, in Australia. And for part of that time, sitting glued to the television screen, watching the AFL football on television, being quite taken by that, and talks about the speed, the agility of the players, all those sorts of things. And he writes from from a point of saying, you know, that's that's what football is all about. You know, football is not about you know just combating homophobia and running pride games. And it was fairly significant because he says in this article that he wrote, he talks about at the time he came to Australia 20 years ago, he'd not long left what he called the gay act- activism scene in London. He'd been living with a male partner, very involved in homosexual activism, and he describes that in his article. And it was interesting that he'd actually uh, um, become a Christian shortly before that. And uh, James became a Christian. His partner went to church with him. He became a Christian as well. And he says, says anything. He actually they actually tried to live as a gay Christian couple, but he really found that that didn't work. And God was really working on his heart. And eventually the, the couple separated. And James received some counselling. And he categorically says this isn't what they call conversion therapy just standard psychological help to understand some of the problems that he had during his childhood during this experience and and actually was able then to form real friendships with both men and women and became and, and married and has a family so he comes from that perspective he married an Australian girl and lives in wa now and uh, so he's writing from a perspective where he says look this is what we actually tried to do, is to desensitise the public about what homosexuality is all about. And he talks about that in depth in his article.
0: Yes, so interesting when it comes from someone who had formerly a homosexual lifestyle. And let me just reflect uh, with you on one of those things you just mentioned. You mentioned that he had some counselling after he had become a Christian. And uh, and he says uh, it wasn't counseling that was conversion therapy that whole idea that's a very controversial area to be talking about because uh, because uh, those who are on the homosexual side uh, absolutely don't want any sort of uh, provision for help for people that might actually turn their sexuality back to a uh, a heterosexuality uh, he called it standard psychological therapy but i guess anyone who has counseling coming out of a homosexual lifestyle, is going to be accused of having some sort of conversion therapy.
1: Well, that's right. And certainly that happened to us last week on our Facebook page because when we wrote our letter to say that Salt Shakers was closing at the end of the year and uh, we had some people come on, we had we mentioned uh, a homosexual uh, called Anthony Van Brown sort of celebrated the fact that we were closing and talked about conversion therapy groups closing and so on. Well, you know, we make it clear we don't offer any sort of counselling of any kind. We we do put people in touch if they want to be in touch with a group that might provide support, and uh, and we've got a page on our website that says change is possible. And of course, we know that change of any kind is possible through Jesus Christ. Um, whatever problems uh, we might have, we can actually get help and support through through our Christian faith. And so that's where we see that. And, of course, this guy comes on and says, oh, you talk about conversion therapy. And we said, here's the page where it says you do. And Peter said, well, actually, the word conversion doesn't appear on that page. And he said, well, you talk about change. That's the same thing. And I think they would probably put any sort of help or support, any idea that you can go from uh, feeling uh, same-sex attracted to being heterosexually attracted is is conversion and that conversion therapy. And we would say, look, Conversion therapy is often quite a different thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, back on to James Parker and coming back to the pride game in the AFL. Uh, interesting comment from him in the article that he wrote about that, saying, There lies beneath the surface a wolf in sheep's clothing. This whole idea of it being a a political football, not just an AFL football, but a political football, is very obvious when you start to hear these sorts of stories from people who've come from that side and exposing some of these things that are going on with uh, sporting events that are promoting gay pride.
1: Well, I think that's right. You've got families, you'll have children going to a football game, all of those sorts of things which happen on the weekend, And... And I think it's that idea that this is all perfectly normal, this is accepted, this is just the way people are. And uh, we get the same thing, of course, in the Safe Schools Coalition program. So a lot of these things work in tandem, that that the aim is to desensitise the public, um, to to think that this is all perfectly normal. And it's interesting uh, that he actually says, and I thought this was actually interesting, that when he was active in what he called the gay lobby in London, he said nearly 30 years ago when in the gay lobby... I was in discussions with others how we might desensitise the public to view homosexuality with indifference or better still to see such as a, life, such a lifestyle as something to be celebrated. And this is 30 years ago. And you look at it today and you think that that's exactly where they've come to. And he writes about a, a book that we've often referred to and says much of the discursive outcome is brandished in the book called After the Bull by authors Kirk and Madston And they were a marketing and a psychology grads graduate from Harvard and uh, I think it's worth looking at what they're actually saying. Simply put, the strategy involves encouraging openly proud members of the uh, LGBTIQ community to obtain leadership roles in key sectors of society, the entertainment industry, the media, education, politics, military and healthcare, especially psychology and psychiatry. We knew then that the most challenging bastion needing to fall would be the sports sector, as this literally embodied male and female. Sport would be the final hurdle before the rainbow winning line. And uh, and I think that's what we see here, is this is the the attack now on the sport. We've gone through some of the community aspects, the the business and so on. Sport is really the last frontier, and we see it in the Pride Game. We also see it in the Olympic Games, where they've got new rules this year at the Olympic Games for transgender participation and that's an incredible change um, in, you know, somebody might have had a sex change operation and they're actually saying now that you don't actually have had to have a surgical operation um, to participate. If a woman wants to participate in a male sport, they can do so with no restriction if they say, well, I'm, I'm living as a, as a man. For a man to participate in a female sport at the Olympics, they've had to be on hormone therapy for a number of years and that's um, Alter some of their uh, their bodily operations, but not have to have had surgery, and for a number of years. So there's some restrictions there, but less restriction than there used to be because they had to have had uh, sex reassignment surgery before now.
0: And, Jenny, just to bring the context here of why these things might be happening, and I'm always interested in context, and, of course, we are uh, headed towards what is likely to be early next year, the plebiscite on the question of marriage in Australia. And so when you start to see these sorts of events and the political football being kicked around on the AFL football fields, well, I guess uh, the context is... These are the things that are happening from that side of the homosexual lobby that are trying to, as you were saying, desensitise on these issues of sexuality in the lead-up to a plebiscite.
1: Well, that's exactly right. And and a lot of people don't want to talk about that. In fact, James Parker is quite direct in that. And I think what he says is, the only major stumbling block that future leaders would need to quash would be public concerns that might rise about the health risks to homosexual practice. And he says... The risks are frightening and James Parker goes on to actually explain what those are. He says, we're taught that it's impolite to discuss what happens or what the risks are. But we know they're publicly documented on government websites that actually do the research. And we we often will quote those because we're concerned that people actually should know, that children should know the risks. But what they've done is to actually remove the idea of any sort of physical activity and all we're talking about is love. And that's what we're going to see in the site. That's what uh, those who are promoting same-sex marriage are just talking about the equal right to marry and it's all about love, equal love and other things. And yet they don't want to talk about the, the broad spectrum of what it really means to actually endorse Uh, homosexual
0: behaviour Well I'll point people to the Salt Shakers website, simply google Salt Shakers and you'll find detail there, resource where you can understand the issue as it stands and get a Christian perspective on what's happening in the context of the lead up to the marriage plebiscite and there are so many different dimensions to talk about and we'll continue to talk about those with Jenny Stokes from Salt Shakers Jenny thanks so much for being with us again today on 2020 You're welcome Mel